look, I'm a bit too much to start with. <laughs> <laughs> you got to ease them in. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the Desert Politics Podcast. I'm Katie Brooks. And I... <laughs> I just remembered that every time we try to record this, I can't see my face. Fran, every time we record, just like pauses for so long after I say my name as though it is the first time she's ever heard it. Okay, so... <clears throat> And uh, I'm Fran Fanny's. Gosh, we are such a treat. Uh, you know what's great? So it's Friday evening. Is the it the 5th, 5th of April, yes. indeed, yes. Katie's on the Prosecco. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm as dry as a judge. <laughs> as sober as a judge, I think the phrase is. <laughs> <laughs> as dry as a judge, as opposed to these very moist non-judges. <laughs> wet judges and I'm also not even dry because my headphones oh yes Fran's had a bit of a trauma with her headphones so I I did a big run this evening which obviously I wore my headphones for because running is intensely boring so I had say yes to the dress on and my headphones because I need a visual and an audio distraction but say say yes to the dress isn't really like audially it's not I'm really glad that this is still a voice recording and no one can see our face. (laughs) Anyway, the point is my headphones are very sweaty and they're still damp. She is a snack attack. Thank you. I'm uh, available. Single and ready to mingle. I'm Pringle. Well, it's been a while since we've recorded, hasn't it? Yes. Um, Together, anyway. Indeed, yes, because... I was uh, swanning about on the continent. Did you do that thing where all the leavers on Twitter, not all of them, the some of them, the, the well-off ones, and they go skiing and they go, oh, I've just skied seamlessly from Germany. Yeah, and then I want to be like, yes, because of the Schengen zone, you absolutely... Yes. <laughs> exactly, it's like they've just... Also, if Schengen. you ever tried skiing across the English Channel, let me tell you it's not going to work. So... <laughs> You could water ski. You could, yes, but, you know. Uh, No, I didn't. I didn't ski over any international borders. I was in Austria for five days and then Switzerland for a weekend, which was very nice. See, I thought you were in Liechtenstein. No, so it's like where we go is right on the border between... It's like in Austria, but it's really, really near the border of Liechtenstein and. Uh, oh, so did you fly into there? You no, know, flew into uh, Zurich. Oh, I see. Because mm. actually, shout out to Pearl, one of my very dear Hi. friends. <clears throat> and my friend. Yes, sorry, yes. <laughs> Pearl and I, I think last time we met, we decided we were both in each other's top 30 friends. <laughs> That's because at one point in a conversation I was talking about someone and described said person as in my top 20. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, hi, Pearl. But yes, um, we where we go skiing is very... It's just above Pearl's hometown. Uh, Yeah, and her best friend from childhood went to school in Austria but lives in Liechtenstein. So... 
all right okay very close but made all the more possible by yeah open borders i mean it's a micro state so yeah to be fair yes very small state anyway indeed so yes i'm now back in the country it's still as bad as it was when i left if not arguably well well (laughs) possibly worse but also we are actually still in the eu yes i mean actually cheers to that I've got nothing to cheers with, but Fran was so excited. She had an egg custard tart, so she's thrilled. She had a great day. Really good. Right, so since our last record, well, we did actually record an episode the same day that the Prime Minister did that non-statement. We did do a big episode, and we ended up not putting it out because it's out of date by the time... And I was on holiday. Yeah, so Katie was on holiday, so by the time it would have come out, it would have been extremely out of date, but also... It was out of date within minutes of it being finished record. So, which brings us on to, and I mentioned this briefly in my solo episode. I don't want to call it a baby pod. I want to know it's it's an adolescent. Yeah, yeah. Because it was half, it was, it ended up being quite long. Mm. Definitely. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And the Instagram for it, goodness me, we almost got 100 likes. Don't know what was going on. Good Lord. Um, so not, not like us <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> we usually produce content for a very niche audience <laughs> social media strategy somewhat paradoxically worked given that we don't have one well i've been working on one but i haven't really had a chance to sit down and do it properly so I mean, but yeah, actually exciting 89 likes yeah. wow exciting also dear listeners you have to look forward to the fact that um in two weeks time there'll be no audio issues oh don't promise that because you know what will happen now there'll be some really dreadful audio issues (laughs) there'll be the worst audio issues ever (laughs) oh my goodness I should have released it actually but do you not remember the time when we recorded and something happened to the audio and you sounded like a man pretending to be a woman pretending to be a man We love technology. I hate technology. <laughs> but the point is, I'm going to visit Katie. So mm. we're going to do a pod. I mean, we'll probably be a bit tipsy for it. No. Well, let's, yeah, we're going to do it. Are we doing it during Linderfest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We it's... can actually review all the Linders on the pod. We could even produce a video. A live stream. <laughs> the pure state of us both right now i am in sort of like hybrid between my workout gear and my pajamas because i'm currently wearing is that your school leavers jumper yes i am in fact wearing a a sweater from the gulag um (laughs) stalag 14 as i affectionately refer to it as which is actually it's a little snug i will say that Fran is wearing what can only be described as a bold and innovative pattern mixing. <laughs> She's wearing a, There's a top that she bought on. on her gap yard. Okay, wait, hang on. So this is my, it's a, I've forgotten the word for it, but I got this in South Africa. Which, on her gap yard. No, but hang on. I mean, I'm. I am mocking you, but we did just discuss my ski holiday earlier. So. Yeah, also, I would like to point out the trip to South Africa was actually part of a family holiday that would have or that would have occurred regardless of the fact that I was already on the continent of Africa 
when the family holiday occurred. Sorry, he's accidentally played my guitar. <laughs> and then I have my dressing gown on, which looks like something out of a Kath Kidston. <laughs> anyway, should we talk about Brexit? Do we have to? No. People I suppose we must. Brexit. We are, in fact, a politics podcast. So. <laughs> you could have fooled me. So, yeah, basically, where do we even start? Okay, so the Prime Minister returned to the House of Commons with her withdrawal agreement for a third meaningful vote, except she was very keen to sort of say it wasn't a third meaningful vote because the MPs are being asked to vote on the withdrawal agreement alone, not the withdrawal agreement and the political declaration. So therefore, it was more like a meaningful vote 2.5. But given that they would have had to vote on the political declaration within a matter of days anyway in order to leave on time and there was no sign of that changing anytime soon. I don't really know where she thinks she was going with that one. Yes, think of it less as Return of the Jedi and more Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have actually seen Star Wars. Uh, but if that's a helpful analogy for you, then... Well done. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so the reason why she she got rid of the political declaration was basically because there's a lot of objections as to... The political declaration basically lays out what we want our future relationship with the EU to look like. But the whole document is very aspirational. It's not really... Nothing is set in stone with it anyway. Um, but it would have given Parliament more of a say over what our future relationship with the EU would look like. And also, you may remember the Speaker had introduced that rule where he basically said, I'm not going to allow the Prime Minister to keep bringing back the same thing over and over again and get us to vote on it because you're essentially losing your way to winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. strategy, which I still think is actually the strategy. <laughs> and also, to be fair, I think I know a lot of people, particularly Brexiteers, have been very angry about that choice. But I actually wonder if in many ways John Burko whether he intended to or not, did her a favour. Because more and more there is this this movement among the British population, like 62% now want to remain in the EU, you know, and um, at least from recent polls that I've seen. And there's this more louder movement for a, a second referendum. And I think just from a kind of like optics level, just constantly bringing back a crap bill and trying to scare people into voting it looks really bad when you won't let yeah. the British public have a second vote. You know, like so <laughs> exactly. So even if he, she doesn't think this and whether he intended it or not, I do think he did her a bit of a favour. Yes, and I don't think he was thinking he was doing her a favour because I think no. he's actually at quite at odds with her. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this obviously didn't get through by the majority uh, the margin of defeat was smaller mm-hmm. than the previous two meaningful votes we, we, we got down to double figures um but the conservative whips had only predicted that 20 tory mps would rebel um why do they not just hire us yeah and it ended up being, <laughs> i i mean Fran got, got it within eight votes. So yeah, like... I said I said fifty. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Boris Johnson, and Ben Bradley were doing my head in. 
because Jacob Rees-Mogg initially came out and said he would support it. Yeah, like a massive said, flip-flop. I look like a massive flip-flop. No, he is a massive flip-flop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, he originally came out and said he would support it. And then after the DEP said, well, we're still not supporting it. Yeah. He then said, oh, no, I won't support it. And then he must have thought it was going to be quite tight, which, I mean, by, by comparing it to the other two meaningful votes I suppose it was tight but it still wasn't tight yeah. in the end I actually uh, you know we often talk about like things that we should leave behind I would like to be left behind in March the idea that any of these votes have been meaningful <laughs> well yes no none of the each one we have gets less meaningful indeed <laughs> um, but yes so then he he saw it was going to be tight so then he did end up actually voting for it Ben Bradley um doesn't know what he's doing I don't know how he got elected as a politician he originally voted I think he originally voted against it in meaningful vote one then in meaningful vote two he came out and said he did support it and then in between meaningful vote two and meaningful vote three he said he wasn't going to support it and then (laughs) and and then came out and said yes he would support it and then in the end he didn't I don't actually know what he did in the end because (laughs) he really bores me um (laughs) Yes, and then Boris Johnson voted for it as well. That's because Boris is a charlatan. Joe Johnson didn't vote for it. Good man. And um, Dominic Raab voted for it. Yeah, I know. Ex-Brexit secretary who quit because he was like, the withdrawal agreement's really bad and she wouldn't let me have a go. And now he's voting for it. Yes. Um, So, obviously, withdrawal, meaningful vote three, didn't get through um and then the prime minister had to ask for an extension well actually she asked for the extension before meaningful vote three happened but the extension basically said that if it got passed that week then we could have an extension till may 22nd and if it didn't get passed then we could have an extension till april the 12th which seems the wrong way around to do it because i would have thought honestly april the 12th if we did pass it because we know what we're doing yes and then May the 22nd, if we didn't pass it for no deal, would have made more sense. But whatever, it's, it's the other way around. So at the moment, we're in a limbo situation where on April the 12th, which is actually next Friday, a week today, we could be leaving the EU with no deal. In between all of this, Sir Oliver Letwin had managed to use seize control of, of the Brexit strategy in that he managed to pass a bill saying... Um, MPs could get to do what was called indicative votes on Brexit options and um, for the first round I think 16 were put forward and then eight were chosen none of which produced a majority which everyone was getting at this I really don't the idea was never to produce a majority the first time round. it was like let's have a vote on eight options that are the most common options that keep coming up we'll see which ones get the most support and then the ones that get the most support will take through to a second round kind of thing. It's like a mm. knock kind of thing. But then, of course, the great stalemate occurred. Well, we had the second round of indicative votes, which also failed to produce a majority. But um, the option in the first round, which got the most support, or sorry, lost by the smallest margin, which isn't quite the same thing, was also the the option in the second round of indicative votes that lost by the smallest margin which was down to three by the, by the second round which was Ken Clark's customs union option um so then 
the plan was to then go to a third round of indicative votes, but MPs had to vote on whether to hold so much voting. MPs had to vote on whether to hold a third round of indicative votes, and it came out as a tie: three hundred ten vote, uh, three hundred ten votes to three hundred ten. And so the speaker had to cast a deciding vote. And um, because of precedent, he decided to go with the nose because it basically said in a situation where there's a tie, he shouldn't cast it so that a major decision is made. So he should stick with it. It's a bit it. like um, UCL. This is really weird. University. Yeah, they've got, uh, you know, they've got like Jeremy Bentham's stuffed body. Yes. The, um, the philosopher. Which they, they wheel him out at SU meetings, don't they? Well, I think, yes, it's it's on the SABS meetings or trustees. I can't quite remember which. Um, and when there's a tie, Jeremy Bentham casts the deciding vote. And he always votes with the motion. Hmm. So you need to be careful with your wording of your motions, everybody. Indeed. So there isn't going to be a third round of indicative votes. Um, Letwin was then up to more funny business. Uh, as he then sided with Labour's Yvette Cooper and they together tabled a bill which basically said um, before the 12th of April, if no agreement has been reached, the Prime Minister needs to go back to the EU and ask for an extension because we don't want to leave with no deal, which you remember Parliament had already voted to say they didn't want to leave with no deal. Um, And this managed to get passed through the Commons by one vote a lot of people making a lot of fuss and bother about um former labor mp fiona on Siana. oh yes he's mp for peterborough now independent she's now independent because the labor party kicked her out after she was found guilty of perverting the course of justice for lying about a speeding ticket, basically. It's all very... Which also, that's exactly what um, Chris Hune... Exactly you mean. Yes, it's Chris Hune. Yeah. Well, she ended up serving... She did a bit of time in jail, and now she's out of jail um, and wearing an electronic tracking tag thing on her ankle. Um, so there's a lot of people on... Lots of angry people on Twitter saying, oh, well, she's a criminal for this and now she's just voted to stab a further 17.4 million people in the back so great yeah that's a love that hot take yeah no i know it's great so you know so this passed by by one vote but then it has to the way laws laws work it then has to go to the upper house the house of lords and um i the house of lords is very entertaining and i recommend following she's esther weber she's a times political correspondent, columnist, reporter, writer, I think. Um, but she, before she became a journalist, she was actually, she worked in Parliament. She was a parliamentarian research base, researcher. Um, and she loves the House of Lords. And I think she used to do quite a bit of work in there. And so when everything was kicking off in the House of Lords, she was just tweeting all day about funny bits, um, about what was going on, explaining what was going on, explaining who some of the lords were. Um, and essentially, the House of Lords was presented with this this bill. And But before you can debate on the bill, um, they had to debate the order of motions for the day. 
and there was obviously a lot of filibustering going on. Indeed. Uh, some people don't think they need, this needs to be tabled at all as a bill uh, because it took eight hours of them just discussing what was going to be debated later on before they even got to the Cuban. Yeah. And bill. actually during, during the eight hours, one of the remaining hereditary peers in the House, I don't know if you saw this video, was Vic- this lady? Viscount Ridley. Okay, so no. he's like, he's been a Tory his whole life, obviously. And um, registry peers tend to be. <laughs> indeed. Yes. Yeah, so Viscount Ridley, he actually was chairman of um, Northern Rock. Oh, which no longer exists. Back in the day, indeed. And he resigned and then the bank was nationalised. So, you know. So he made some comments at a Labour peer and basically said I was I am in this house because my great 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 grandfather was put here by Queen Victoria on the advice of Lord Salisbury you're here because Tony Blair put you here and he's like a major Eurosceptic and everyone's like this is so embarrassing that basically our upper house has been reduced to a man who has been born into such insane wealth, basically turning around and being like, this person who was appointed to our upper house based on the merits they have produced for our society is somehow less than me. Okay, well, he needs chucking in the bin immediately. Yeah, he's an intensely questionable individual. Mm. Um, Yeah. His sister is married to Owen Patterson. Oh, really? Mm. it's very inbred the Tory party isn't it I know it's a bit grim isn't it dear yes so the House of Lords was hugely entertaining but they didn't really get very far Uh, they started debating the motion but they won't finish so this was Thursday Parliament doesn't sit on Friday so they will get back to it on Monday you know even if it does pass you can write all the laws you want. It's ultimately the decision is with the EU as to whether they grant us an extension or not. And EU law means that all 27 EU member states have to unanimously agree on whether to grant us the extension or not. So the current situation is the Prime Minister um, has already actually, despite this, what's going on in the Lords, has actually written to the EU and she asked for the extension to be given until the 30th of June, which... Uh, neither Katie or I think is a sensible deadline. Well, it's just, it's a bit sort of like plucked out of nowhere because we would have to take part in the European elections and then would leave a month later, like... Well, also, we... Well, actually, we don't even... We'd take part in the elections, but the European Parliament doesn't immediately sit after elections. It's not like... Of course, yeah. Um, so I don't think they actually take their seats until July. So who bloody knows? So it's a, it's all a bit strange but the EU have basically said nah and Donald Tusk has come up with um what I think is a very sensible suggestion which is what he's called a flex extension which I'm not wild about that I love a portmanteau I'm into <laughs> it so but he's basically said you can have we can have an extension of article 50 until the 31st of March 2020 but if we manage to, to a yeah, if we manage to ratify the agreement before then, we can leave 
before the deadline of the 31st of March 2020, which is really good because it means we can avoid all this, keep going back and asking for extensions and trying to push something through with the threat of, oh, we've only got a week left before this extension happens, which, to be honest, we could get to the 20th of March 2020 and still not have a deal (laughs) and be in exactly the same situation. As I said, I said this to Fran just before we started recording, it's a case of we can't keep kicking the ball just slightly further down the pitch. No, exactly. And we I have think to take a shot at goal. The the case for a second referendum grows stronger and stronger with every passing month that it has been since the first referendum. And also on that note for the case for a second referendum, uh, if you listen to my teenager pod, adolescent pod. Pubescent pod. Yeah. That, ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you listened to, to, to that episode... Uh, you would have heard me mention how Vote Leave broke the law. And this week, the Vote Leave campaign officially dropped their appeal against the Electoral Commission's finding, uh, well, ruling that they had broken the law, which has led to a whole host of calls for uh, Boris Johnson and Michael Gove, who were leave, uh, leading Brexiteer Vote Leave campaigners, to say sorry for their illegal activity during the campaign. They've both I mean, kind of dodged sorry. the issue. Yeah. The former chair of Vote Leave, Gisela Stewart, refused to apologise on the Andrew Marr show. Also, Vote Leave, the Electoral Commission believed that it would not be in the public interest to investigate whether Vote Leave committed a second breach of referendum spending laws, um, which builds on an investigation by BBC Spotlight, which last year did a programme which reported that online adverts were placed on behalf of the DUP were booked by Vote Leave's director in Northern Ireland. Um, Not like the DUP to be involved in anything dodgy, I just can't believe it. And um, essentially what happened is the Electoral Commission asked BBC Spotlight to release more evidence and they didn't. So the Electoral Commission basically decided they didn't have enough evidence based on what was released in the programme to go after Vote Leave and the DUP um so they've kind of got away with that one on a technicality but yeah speaking of programs I don't know if you saw this but Laura Koonsberg's documentary about Brexit I have seen clips of it I haven't seen the whole thing I think oh it's excellent watching it's really when we were watching it I watched it with my parents and um we as we were watching we were saying you know like this is the kind of documentary that people are going to talk about as like a significant cultural thing in like years to come you know it's it's more than just a doc it feels very much like it's it's a significant piece of sort of like cultural history the okay. watching happen it's really really good i actually don't know how she ever has time to sleep uh but laura Koonsberg is the bbc's political editor basically yeah. her life is brexit to be honest indeed what else has happened since the time we've been away other than oh, brexit not happening resigned from the conservative party yes nick bowles who is a big advocate of uh, the Norway Plus arrangement, which involves remaining in the single market customs arrangements and um, having a European free trade agreement. After the second round of indicative votes, his Norway Plus idea was defeated by 282 votes to 261 and he was very upset about this the independent group who are now Change UK or about to become Change UK but will always be known as TIG realistically they all voted against it and he was very sad about it and when he resigned someone went went, oh no nick 
don't go. And you know, this is sad. He is a, he is a loss to the Tory Party because they're just they're they're losing all their good. They're, they're losing people who make them electable to sort of actually quite a significant proportion of their base. They want yeah, they're going to be left class. with UKIP base exactly and they want actually what they need and want is fairly middle class baby boomers they in general are fairly educated are reliable voters and people yeah. like nick bowles anna subri etc like heidi allen again they dominic appeal Grieve. yeah they appeal to that on the dominic grieve note uh to to highlight the 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 damage this is doing to the conservative party um he lost a vote of no confidence by party members in his constituency, 182 votes to 131 votes. Um, He said he has no intention of standing down, but he would now need to ask the local Conservative Association to step in, uh, not step in, um, to reselect him as a candidate in the next general election. I have so much time for Dominic Grieve on Brexit. On other issues, maybe not so much. Um, but he is old school Tory through and through. You know, he's he's been in the Tory party for decades and he's a Tory because he believes in small government and being fiscally conservative. That's why he's a Tory um, in the way that what it used to meant to be a Tory. And he's a former attorney general. Um, he's a QC. You know, he's an incredibly intelligent man, but he speaks so clearly about Brexit and he was one of the first people to even bring up that Brexit was jeopardising the Good Friday Agreement and you know what what a terrible thing Brexit would be for Northern Ireland um he, he genuinely really gets it and a, a Conservative Party that doesn't have room for Dominic Grieve isn't I mean that's if the Conservatives allow him to go and let's be clear here Conservative uh, HQ could actually step in if they wanted to and oh, stop yes. stop what is happening to him. If they actually let him go, um, that is it. That's that's a huge loss for the party. His constituency. I don't mean, by the way. I don't want to sort of parrot something that has become a line for Tig, who will now be Change UK. Yeah, I might actually just start referring to them as the party formerly known as TIG. Well, someone I heard the other day called them Tiggers, and I thought... Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> um, so yes, the party formerly known as TIG, they obviously use this slogan, politics is broken. Yeah. But, like, actually, the issue, like, looking at this this issue of Dominic Grieve and his constituency and local Conservative Party, is just, it's case in point, really, isn't it? To be fair, it's not working. This is something my boss says all the time. You get the politicians you vote for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if if you're going to vote out Dominic Grieve and bring in someone who's hardline UKIP verging, you kind of get what you deserve there. Yes, you do, hundred percent. But it's, um, it's to, at the disadvantage of the country, not just in the kind of like enabling the raging right wing, but actually losing these statesmen and stateswomen who are so good for our parliamentary democracy. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, And the Conservative Party, the with everything that's been going on with Labour and those who are not pro Corbyn and those who are standing up for the anti-Semitism of the Labour Party, um, standing up against, not for. Yes, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Conservative Party has been quite good about the whole PR of this and saying oh well we have room for differing opinions and you know we're not kicking people out of the party just because they disagree with us well that's beginning to change that line is no longer really holding yeah but speaking of Corbyn so after a third round of indicative votes was rejected um the prime minister stated she she made another announcement she met with cabinet for seven hours um which oh there was a lot of juicy gossip coming out of this cabinet meeting they weren't allowed to take their phones in but apparently penny stormed out and philip hammond is basically um apparently he went in and said you need to you need to come to some form of compromise otherwise we're going to have to put this to a second referendum and he then later actually late on in the week said on was it Robert Peston's show? I can't remember which show it was. But he basically said that uh, a public vote to approve any final deal is a, quote, perfectly credible proposition. Yep. Which, I mean, for him to be out of step with the Prime Minister is quite something. Actually. They are chums. They are. And he's Chancellor and he, you know, yeah. he really holds. The Spectator did a, not that I like The Spectator anymore, Um but they did an interesting piece about how he's sort of orchestrated all of this all along and how he's been the true Brexit puppet master all along. So for him to be yeah, suddenly saying this is quite a big deal, actually. But anyway, once, so... Once again, we should um, give a shout out to whoever the anonymous leaker in the Tory party WhatsApp is, because it leaks like a sieve they all know it leaks like a sieve and yet they keep using it (laughs) yeah no i know it's remarkable but yes so after this seven hour cabinet meeting which i think ultimately cabinet must have threatened to resign essentially to the prime minister um she gave a statement that she was seeking another extension to article 50 which we've talked about and then said that she wants to meet with the labor leader to agree a plan on the uk's future relationship with the eu but the withdrawal agreement, as it stands, will remain part of any plan brokered between Corbyn and May. So this is really a discussion on the political declaration. Because we have the extension, but the talks with Corbyn have clearly broken down. So there's no more indicative votes either, at least for now. We might come back to that idea, maybe. Um, so we could be back to the, as we stated earlier, the the losing our way to winning strategy of the Prime Minister, just running down the clock. And uh, She's so good at that. Yeah. Running down the clock is her middle name. Speaking of, and this is a nice segue actually into our the end of our episode as uh, we're doing we're trialing these shorter episodes, aren't we? But yes, to segue into talking about names, um, I found a really good thing on Twitter, which is about what's your Tory MP name. So the first name is you have to pick a name of your grandparent, one of your grandparents. Oh, okay. So I'm going to choose Vera. Do I do I pick a female yeah. one or a male one? Well, up to you, really. Well, I'll go with female because I want to be a female MP. I think Winifred is possibly more Tory than Jean. Yes. 
Okay, right. So Winifred then. And then your surname is the name of the street that you grew up on. And then you have to hyphenate that with one of your old headmasters. Okay, you go first. So I'm, I have a number of options. Yeah, so do um, I. <laughs> so I'm, but I think the best one for me is Vera Cloisters Wesley. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> Vera Cloisters Wesley. Okay, so right, for the street, we could have Clive Hall, which would give me a triple barreled sound. Yes, yes, yes. Which is, which is great. Or de Havilland. Oh, that's actually really also good. Also good. Yeah. Or Amber, which Amber's not great. So we'll scrap Amber. Um, so I could be Winifred Clive Hall Jones. That's so good. <laughs> or Winifred Clive Hall Woodhead. So Winifred Clive Hall Woodhead. But actually, Jones fair, is better. Winifred de Havilland Woodhead is excellent. Winifred, Win, Winifred de Havilland Woodhead. It's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a fun game. <laughs> I know, right? And it works because I could also alternatively be Hannah Christian Sand Heighton. Christian Sand? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's the street I was born on. Christian Samway. I could. Jean. No, I don't. Winifred is better. Well, we are going to be back. We're going to record on Sunday. Oh, but okay. Well, little teaser, everyone. I've got through a book in less than a week. Exactly. So (laughs) there'll be no Tory MP name on Sunday because we're going to talk about Fran's book. (laughs) Thank you. Because I I have it here, right here, ready to talk about it. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to talk about America on Sunday. um, And everything that's been enough time to learn how to pronounce a certain someone's surname who I want to talk about <laughs> oh dreamy so there we go <laughs> yeah I'm gonna have to go away and watch how he says it himself because I keep looking at phonetic spellings of people tweeting it and I still don't get it so and on that note we will see you, well, <laughs> oh, speak okay. to you on Sunday but you'll get it after Sunday. on Wednesday because that's how this works conspiracies <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend everyone enjoy bye Bye. sorry this has turned into a cooking podcast but the the I can't cook